Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Last week we started a sermon series about spiritual disciplines. Uh, Spiritual disciplines, these are little things that we can be putting into practice in our daily living to actually practice our faith. Outside of Sunday mornings, things that we can actually do to put into practice our faith, to grow in our faith, and to deepen our relationship with our God. Spiritual disciplines. As Pastor Kevin said last week, we just want to be very clear about this. We don't, we don't do these things. We don't practice our faith in order to try to earn God's favor or, or merit some sort of blessings with God. No, not at all. Those things come to us freely from Jesus. But we are sharing these things over the next six weeks because they're simple and practical ways for us to grow in our faith and deepen our relationship with our God. So it really is our goal that each week, our, our hope is that you're going to take something from the message and try to apply it in your lives throughout the week. Uh, so hopefully this last week, as Pastor Kevin last week talked about Bible reading, maybe there was something that he shared, one of those examples, one of those things you can do to treasure up God's Word in your life that you could put into practice each day. And then today, what, what I'm hoping is that throughout this week, you'll, you'll hear something and then put something into practice each day. And by the time we're done with these six weeks, hopefully you'll have tried out a variety of different spiritual disciplines, and then Maybe you'll have some new tools that you can use on a daily basis to continue to deepen and grow your faith and your relationship with God. Now, like anything that you are disciplined about in life, if you have any disciplines, any habits that you keep in life, you know that to begin a discipline uh, might be kind of challenging. But my goal to you is this, just start small, start with small, start with something that you can handle and just do that intentionally and repeatedly. Because if there is no intentionality, if you don't put any intentionality into this, it's not going to just happen on its own, okay? It doesn't just happen. So we do encourage you to be intentional. So last week was uh, about Bible reading, about getting into God's Word and spending time listening to Him. Hopefully that would be uh, understood as an obvious place to begin our spiritual disciplines in God's Word. And this one that we're talking about today may be just as obvious, and it's prayer. Prayer is what we're going to be talking about today. So what does your prayer life look like? How often do you pray? Do you just pray silently, or do you pray out loud? Do you only pray by yourself, or do you pray with other people? Uh, Is prayer something that you set aside intentional time to do on a daily basis or multiple times throughout the day? Or is prayer something that's just kind of randomly happening in your mind throughout the day as you feel like it? What does your prayer life look like? Uh, There's a lot that can be said about prayer and how to do it and why to do it, and I'm not getting into everything today. And so as we go through these disciplines, we're actually building out a resource page for you on our website. You can go to copperluth.org slash resources. 
Last week, we included a, a bunch of things about Bible reading, um, Bibles that we would encourage you to uh, get or utilize for children, for yourself, for journaling, all kinds of things there. And now we've included some prayer resources as well, and each week we're going to add to this list. So if you don't yet have prayers that you're doing either at mealtimes or at bedtime with your kids or looking for other uh, prayers to do throughout the day, some of those are included on this website along with a sermon series that I did on prayer a couple of years back that gets into a variety of different things regarding prayer. So prayer, uh, prayer is a big part of people of faith's lives. When I was growing up, uh, I, I still remember that every night my parents would tuck me into bed and we would do prayers together. Uh, the prayer that we said growing up was this one, maybe it's familiar, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep, if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take, and this I ask for Jesus' sake, amen. I don't know if you guys ever said that or heard that, but that was what we said. And then after we said that, my parents would then say, Aaron, uh, now you say a prayer. Say something. And so I still remember the prayer that I prayed every night when I was in elementary school. I had thought this out. I did the same thing every night. I, I had put a lot of thought into it. And I figured, I figured out that all of life's necessities boiled down to two basic things. And all I needed to do was really thank God for these two things, and it would basically cover thanking him for all of the things. You're never going to guess what the two things were. Sheep and trees. Think, just think about I mean, I think I was under the impression that all of clothing was made from sheep. So that's what I... And it, so sheep, trees, you get meat, you could get... Maybe not all of life's necessities, but I think you could do a lot with some sheep and trees. You think about it, and some of you that have farmland, you report back to me if you can survive with sheep and trees, all right? So that was my prayer. Thank you, God. <laughs> Thank you, God. But why do we pray? What is, what, is it about, what is it about prayer? Why do we do this? Well, the Bible is very clear that prayer is an integral part of the lives of people of faith. Hundreds of times throughout the Bible, prayer is mentioned. The Old Testament patriarchs prayed, the kings prayed, the prophets prayed, the psalmists prayed, Jesus prayed. Jesus modeled to us what a life of prayer looks like. Early in the mornings, he would get up and go to a quiet place by himself while it was still dark just to pray. Sometimes after having long days, he would send the crowds away just to have some quiet time in prayer. He modeled to us what a life of prayer looks like. But Jesus also very clearly taught us how to pray. How to pray. We read today from Luke chapter 11 where Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. And these words hopefully sounded familiar to you. We call them the Lord's Prayer. And a lot of times I ask people, do you know why it's called the Lord's Prayer? And they stare at me with blank looks in their eyes. Why is it called the Lord's Prayer? Because Jesus' disciples came to him and they said, hey Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? And he said, sure, say this. And I say, thank you Jesus for being so clear. You know, sometimes you're reading through the Bible and you're like, Jesus, I, I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> but this time he's so clear. They said, teach us to pray. And he said, okay, say these words. Luke 11 records the Lord's Prayer for us. Uh, but the Lord's Prayer is also recorded in the book of Matthew, 
chapter 6. And there it's recorded in a different uh, environment, a different situation where Jesus taught the Lord's Prayer um, at a different time to, this, to other people. The, if you read in Matthew chapter 6, that one may look a little bit more closely related to the one that we pray. Most often it's a little bit lengthier. Luke's version has the same uh, sort of petitions. Uh, they're just abbreviated a little bit. But we're going to look at Luke's gospel here today. And we're going to take it line by line and see what it is that Jesus is teaching us to pray, what he means by these things, and to see if our prayers actually align with the way that Jesus teaches us to pray. So how does Jesus begin? He he begins with these words. Father, hallowed be your name. So this means that in our prayer life, we should be addressing our prayers. Uh, Let God know that we're talking to him. Right? We're not just talking to random things, we're talking to God. So we address our God, we're talking to him, but we have a God who is a personal God, a God who knows us very well. Jesus, in his prayer life, uh, sometimes referred to God as Abba. He used that word, that's an Aramaic word, that's the, word, the language that Jesus actually spoke. And Abba is much more of an intimate kind of word. It's something more like dad or, or daddy. Okay? Much, much more than like the formal father. <laughs> right. So uh, Jesus models there that we, we are invited to pray to God in the same way, to talk to our God who is our dad. And maybe you can talk to, maybe you can talk to God in a way that maybe you never had the chance to talk to your earthly dad or in, in ways that maybe, maybe if, your dad's no longer here and you miss him? Or if maybe you didn't have a healthy relationship with your dad, but you have a healthy relationship with this dad, you can talk to this dad and he hears you and he he cares about you. We can approach our God in this personal way because your dad wants to hear from you. This is what prayer is. Prayer is, is just talking to your dad. Prayer is talking to your dad, and so it means we can approach him in that sort of way. But Jesus also says when we, when we approach him, we, we should also do it with the mindset of, hallowed be your name. What does that mean, though? Uh, hallowed means holy. Uh, holy means set apart for something special. So God's name ought to have a holy place in our lives, a, a special place. Uh, too many of us, too many even Christian people throw God's name around just flippantly without even thinking about it. But I, I don't know if you know this, but anytime you cry out using God's name, whether you intended to speak to him or not, it's as though he comes running to you as a loving father saying, here I am, here I am, what do you need? And so if you're just throwing around his name flippantly, it's as though you're calling on him, but actually not calling on him. So Jesus is saying, reserve his name for times of Prayer, for times of praise, for times when you're actually talking to him. (laughs) Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, Jesus says. Your kingdom come. This means that we're praying that Jesus would have his way with us. That before we ever let Jesus know what it is that we want, we're saying, Jesus, tell us what you want. Your kingdom come. And we also know it goes on, your will be done, right? Here on earth as it is in heaven, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come in this world. So what does that mean practically in our lives? 
what does the kingdom of Jesus look like? Well, the kingdom of Jesus is filled with love. It's filled with joy. It's filled with hope. It's filled with perfect peace. It's filled with the fullness of life. This is what Jesus' kingdom looks like. And so when you're praying, Jesus, let your kingdom come in my life, you're saying, Jesus, fill me up. Fill me up with what only you can provide. You're saying to, to Jesus, you know what, Jesus? I want you to align my heart with your heart. Jesus, I want you to align my mind with your mind so the things I think about, the things I believe, the things I desire are actually your things and not my things. And so if Jesus is full of grace and love and life and peace, then what we are praying is send that into my life, but also send it into this world. I want your kingdom to come, Jesus, into this world, into the lives of the people that I care about. Your kingdom come, Jesus. I wonder, friends, have you ever prayed intentionally for people that you know who don't know Jesus? Have you ever prayed intentionally for people you know who don't know Jesus and pray, Jesus, I want them to know about you? If you have not included that in your intentional prayer, like intentionally praying, Jesus, I want them to know Include them in your prayers. If you don't know people who don't know Jesus, then also pray, Jesus, introduce me to some people who don't yet know you. But not only pray, oh Jesus, I hope some way, miraculous, they they come to know you, but have you even gone so far as to pray, Jesus, work it in my life to actually be your spokesperson in their lives? Jesus, open up my my heart and my mind and my lips to speak of your love to these people who don't yet know you. Have you ever prayed that? If you haven't, I encourage you to do so and you will see Jesus change your heart and your mind and your lips. Pray it. Pray it. Don't you want God's good gifts to come into your life? Don't you want his kingdom to come into your life? Don't you want to be filled with life and hope and peace and joy? And don't you want that to fill this world? Your kingdom, come, Jesus, in my life and through my life into the lives of others. Your kingdom, come. Give us each day our daily bread. Give us each day our daily bread. Here, here finally, is when we pray to God letting our requests be made known to him. After saying, Jesus, have your way with me, now we say, Jesus, here are my requests. Here's what I need. Here's what I desire. Here's what I want. Bring all those things to him. Here's, here's, here's my complaint. Jesus, here's, here. all right? Give us this day our daily bread. That's what we're praying. And we're not praying for the whole thing. We're praying for the day, for the day. This is to encourage us to actually pray every day. Every day, give us each day our daily bread. I think this is the one that probably most of us are familiar with and pretty good at. Going to God, saying, God, this is what we need, this is what we desire, this is what we, what we want. He wants to hear all of those things. Sometimes people ask, all right, well, if that's the reality, if God is God and he already knows everything and he's just going to do whatever he wants to do anyways, why do we need to tell him what it is that we want? Because Prayer is all about the relationship. Prayer is about deepening our relationship with God. And your dad wants to hear from you. He wants to hear what's on your heart. 
and he wants to hear what's on your mind. And Jesus even clearly says in Luke 11, verse 9, he says, I tell you, ask, ask. I have four young children. Having four young children has helped to shape my mind about what I, what I think it must be like for God to field our requests <laughs> and our petitions. You know, sometimes my kids come to me sad. Sometimes my kids come to me angry. Sometimes my kids come to me begging. Sometimes my kids come to me graciously. I think we do the same thing to God all the time. And guess what? I want to hear from my kids because I love them. I want them to know that I'm always available for them. Yeah, even if I'm sleeping, they can come to me and wake me up, right? They're listening. They know. <laughs> I always want them to know they can come to me because I love them. I want to hear what's on their hearts and what their minds and what their needs are. But as father, I have the authority to answer their requests in the way that I best see fit. And sometimes I answer, yes, yeah, you can have that. You can do that, of course. Sometimes I answer, no. And it will always be no, because it's not a good idea. It's not safe or healthy for you. And sometimes the answer is, not yet. Because your request is good, but your timing's not. So just hang on, be patient, and I'll let you know when the time is right. I think God answers our prayers in a lot the same way. Sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, sometimes it's not yet, and I, I hope that you know that. Jesus continues teaching us how to pray. He says, forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who's indebted to us. So Jesus is teaching us here that we should be people who are the forgiving type. That we are not only forgiven, but we are forgivers. I'll be honest with you, I've always had a little bit of trouble with the way that Jesus states this petition. Because I, I always feel like it should be read, Jesus, forgive me, and then let me forgive other people the way that you forgive me. <laughs> but Jesus says, no, pray this, forgive me in the way that I forgive others. So how are you doing forgiving others? Is that how you want Jesus to forgive you? That's the question. I want to be very clear with you, Jesus will always forgive you of your sins, regardless of how good you are at forgiving others. But this is a call to us to say, oh, yeah, I'm not forgiving all that well. Oh, Jesus, is that? Oh, yeah, you're going to, okay, please forgive me. Help me to forgive others, right? How are you doing at forgiving other people? Finally, Jesus says, lead us not into temptation. Now, we know from other places in the Scripture where the Bible very clearly says God tempts no one, period. God doesn't tempt you. God doesn't play games with you. Let me be very clear. God's not, God's not messing with your faith. God is not tempting. He's not trying to lead you into sin to see if you're going to do it or not. God doesn't play those games. God tempts no one. So what are we praying in this prayer? What are we praying in this prayer? If he's not going to lead us into temptation, what is this saying then? Again, prayer is all about the relationship. So what we're praying in this is, Jesus, I don't want to be led into temptation. 
and I know you're not going to lead me into temptation. I know the devil is the one that wants to lead me into temptation. So let me keep my eyes on you. Let me stay close to you, Jesus, because you are the one who has ultimate authority over the devil. So please kick him out of my life, and I want to hang out with you. I don't want to be led into temptation. You, Jesus, are the one that I need. You, Jesus, are the one that have power. You, Jesus, I want to stay close to. So is this what your prayer life looks like? As I go through these things, do you tend to emphasize one way of praying over the other? I would encourage you this week to pray all of these kinds of ways. Now, you can get to all of it simply by praying the Lord's Prayer because it's included there. But I would encourage you to slow it down and pray this way. Spend time intentionally in prayer in the ways that I've just encouraged you. Take something away from this message and apply it in your daily living and in your daily prayers. And pray often. Pray often and pray with persistence. Pray with persistence. Right after teaching this, right after teaching the Lord's Prayer, did you catch the image that Jesus used? So he said, pray like this. And then he gave this kind of weird story, which I'll just sum it up in my own words. He basically said it like this. He said, he said here's how I want you to pray. Pretend that I'm sleeping at home in a one-room house with my kids in bed, and, and if you knock on my door, my whole family's waking up in the middle of the night. He says, come and knock on my door. And knock on my door so often until I actually get up because of how much you knocked on my door. <laughs> and all of you Scandinavian type people are going, ooh, no, I, that's too aggressive. We could just wait until the morning. This seems a bit aggressive, Jesus. Jesus says, no, ask me, seek me. Knock on my door and wake me up. Come to me. Come to me. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and I'll respond. When you ask me for the things that I can give, including my Holy Spirit, I am going to give it to you. If you ask me for the Holy Spirit, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you the things that, that I, only I can give. And I will fill you with my life and with my love and with my peace and with my joy. Today's the day of Pentecost. I told you this. Today's the day of Pentecost on that first year that Jesus rose from the dead. He rose from the dead on Easter. He was alive for 40 days, appearing to people. On the 40th day, he ascended into heaven. Ten days later, the Jewish people were gathered in Jerusalem for this Jewish festival called Pentecost. And Jesus sent his Holy Spirit into a room full of his disciples. And on that day, the Spirit entered their lives. They started understanding the Bible. They were emboldened by the Spirit, and they proclaimed the resurrection of Jesus with no fear at all in the city streets. That day, 3,000 people were believed and were baptized. And right after that, those apostles and those people committed themselves to a few simple things. We read it in Acts chapter 2. They committed themselves, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which now we basically have recorded for us in the Bible. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. That's what you're doing right now. 
They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. And they devoted themselves to the prayers. And that is what they did fervently over and over and over again. And I pray that you, people of God, would be fervent in your prayers like persistent neighbors knocking on Jesus' door, like little children going in to wake up their sleeping dad. Pray without ceasing because your father cares for you and he delights in you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're able, I invite you to rise 